Remember when I said I was going to do this like every week? <laughs> I guess that was a lie, but uh, yeah. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to Ugh, This Again, a look to the past for what happens next, a podcast about the past and the present and how it all ties together, because those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. I'm Trey, and before we get started, let's get through some announcements. First of all, your standard disclaimer that I'm bound to make mistakes, and I am welcome to correction and encourage those with ideas for new topics to reach out. Uh, Also, sorry for being gone for the past two weeks. My original plan was to have this episode up two weeks ago, and then what my next episode will be up during Thanksgiving. But, you know, life happens. I got exposed to COVID, and so I had to quarantine. But I didn't get COVID, but quarantining all the same to keep everyone safe just in case. And even though that all happened, and that's fine, we're back now. And thanks for coming back again and listening to this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the Inca and the Incan Empire, a remarkable civilization and empire which built massive structures and monuments, roadways that are still used to this day, but they never had a writing system. And they were basically illiterate, except they built something insane, crazy, and I think pretty cool. And so let's talk about how impressive they are and just have fun with it. First, of course, we have to get a little bit of backstory. The Incan civilization was one that was found in the Andes Mountains of Peru and ruled the mountainous region for several centuries and was the largest pre-Columbian empire in the Americas, stretching across the entirety of the Pacific West Coast of South America at one point. But what made this empire so unique was that it lacked many of the features generally thought to be necessary for an empire from the wheel, iron, draft animals like oxes, and like I mentioned before, no writing system. Early evidence of civilization in that mountainous region would that would become the Incan Empire goes back to 4,500 BC and centered around the capital of that future empire, Cusco. That's right, Cusco. Uh, the capital of the Incan Empire was Cusco. As Peruvian storytellers uh, tell it, in their oral tradition, in the 12th century CE, the Inca were a pastoral tribe but would very quickly become an empire. They developed a kingdom of Cusco that would rapidly spread across the Andean mountains before its collapse into civil war and Spanish conquest. But what made the Incan Empire so interesting as we get into this topic today? For me, it's the way they developed themselves as an empire despite their circumstances. The Incans lived in the Andean mountains. And if you don't know anything about mountains, it's pretty hard to live there. And it's very difficult to live there and it's even more difficult to have an empire through there. However, the largest empire ruled across the pre-Columbian world existed in these mountains. And so how did they do that and overcome those difficulties to make an empire so impressive that it's still studied today? Well, let's start with how they could span an empire across the Andean mountains and keep it together as well. And the way they did that is pretty simple. Roads. The Incans were masters of stonework and they had impressive mountainside roads. Roads built on the sides of mountains spanning across the empire and they had rope bridges as well that in some places are traditionally still used to this day of course not the same rope bridges that were used 600 years ago but it's the same style this incan road network spanned 40,000 kilometers which is about 24,855 miles of road which llamas carried supplies across armies marched across and the empire stayed connected through a network of communications Along their roads were many different rest stations where runners could rest on the roads. They didn't have, you know, like a Pony Express 
or carrier pigeons or anything like that. They had a specialized group of people who were assigned with the task of running messages to different settlements across their empire. And these runners, called chasquis, would carry messages 240 kilometers or 149 miles a day to deliver message, messages from settlement to settlement. Then they would stop, they would rest, and pass it on to the next one, and they keep running to get to wherever that message needed to go. But also, as I said, the Incans were master stonemasons, and the roads are not our lone piece of evidence of this. Their buildings were literally monumental, made of massive fine-cut stone blocks. The most well-known example of this is their work in Machu Picchu, which is a fortified palace settlement for the Incan emperor Pachacuti. Uh, but many more examples of this exist from the ruins of Pucara and Tiwanaku, uh, as other examples of megalithic structures. What made these so interesting and how they still stand today is that they were put together so well and so finely put together that one can't fit a knife in between the crevices of the stone and no motor was being used to cement them together. They are just so finely put together that they just stay that way. Even though the Andean mountains are unstable tectonics, it's prone to earthquakes, and it's also volcanic. These structures, in some sense, still stand today, at least the ruins of them. And that isn't something you really see anywhere else. To tie this into something that made these structures and roads unique was that the Inca didn't have a lot of domesticated animals, like I said, or draft animals such as horses or oxen. They hadn't invented the wheel either. So those things by themselves aren't unique, but they are something that is typically thought of required for an empire, especially one of that size. And yet they didn't have that and they built these immense structures. They carried giant stones up mountains to build these impressive buildings like Machu Picchu and many others. And they had extensive road networks that were used with for foot and for llamas. And that was basically all that ever crossed, crossed them. And they still built these impressive things. I'll be honest, this entire episode is just going to be me talking about cool things that I think about, uh, with the, about the Incan civilization without any sort of like actual structure. Uh, it's just, just going to be me talking about them. And uh, you're just going to have to deal with it. But I wanted to talk about uh, this little feature of the Incan civilization. And it was the one that I had preluded to earlier. And that's they didn't have a writing system. There are no recorded writings in the Incan language anywhere because it didn't exist. All knowledge we have on the Inca, excluding physical evidence, are their descendants in Peru, Bolivia, Chile, and Colombia, who spoke many different languages, but they would pass down the Incan tradition through oral storytelling. That, as well as what records we have from the Spanish conquerors that took over that land in the late 1400s and early 1500s. But don't let that lack of writing system dissuade you from their ability or the ability of these Incans to administer an empire. Because they did it very well. You see, they did have a system for record keeping. We think we know they used this system for numbers, for number keeping, for you know how much supplies they had. But it's also believed that they might have used this for communication with one another and for keeping records of history. This system was called Kipu. And Kipu are cords of knotted rope that had some particular pattern to them that they could be read by a specialized Incan bureaucrat educated in understanding Kipu to keep track of anything uh, and probably everything in the Incan Empire. But the problem with that is, is that while some Kipu still exists to this day and is preserved, no one knows how to read it. It has been one of the most frustrating languages writ 
written, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see that, uh, for linguists to find an answer for. Because while the Incan language was known, which was many from Queja to many other languages across the empire, they didn't have a writing system. And it was instead a system through knotted rope. And they just don't know where to start to figure out how to read knotted rope. And that's Kipu. But before I stop talking about the Inca, let me talk about how they ran their empire. Because it was rather unique as well. Because the way it was run was a... The words I'm going to be using are a centrally planned feudal collectivist empire. And those are a lot of words. And let me work through them. They didn't have a currency system. There was trade and barter, yes, but there wasn't any like currency that was used. And there was no taxes in the sense that we think of today. But instead, the people beneath the Sapa Inca, which was the emperor who was both the leader of the empire and also the head of the state religion called the Inti, they paid their taxes through labor and military obligation, which is called the corvée system, which is widely popular in feudal Europe in the medieval era where the people underneath the the kings and lords would offer their service in the military and their time of work uh, in service of the lord instead of paying any sort of taxes and then and then the rest of the time they were free to uh, produce their own food for their own gain and live life to themselves essentially in exchange the empire would provide security food in times of hardship agricultural products for communities from terraces and new roads to improve and develop their settlements, as well as occasional feasts and celebrations. The Inca ran this corvée system so that people were organized into labor and military units that could be called up when needed, and would be sent to do whatever project the Sapa Inca or his representatives over the provinces called Suyus demanded to serve them. So let's wrap this up. The Incan Empire was one of the largest, most linguistically diverse and impressive empires of its time, and its cultural impact spread from Colombia down to Chile in South America. That's essentially the entire western coast of South America, mind you. Across the Andes Mountains in countries like Peru, Bolivia, and Chile, isolated villages still practice some of the same things practiced 600 years ago during the height of the Inca Empire. The tradition of folk oral storytelling in their native languages is still practiced, telling the stories of the folk religion and the mythos of the Inca and the way that empire came to be, as well as how they practiced their traditional celebrations, how they dressed, and what they did, essentially, as a working community. While a civilization may have fallen, their practices and people have not. The unique communal work of organizations still exists in Peru. Awareness and promotion of the native languages are a common movement across these countries in the Andes, while the mighty structures like Machu Picchu still inspire archaeologists, scientists, and tourists alike. Their roads are still used to help support people living in such isolated in such an isolated region in the world, and their kipu and the full answer of how they ran their empire still befuddles linguists to this day. Oh, and by the way, potatoes were first cultivated in Peru and Chile and introduced to the West by the Incan Empire. So mashed potatoes we had at Thanksgiving and French fries that I can't get enough of from McDonald's are also from the Incan Empire. So we can thank them for that, and I do appreciate it. Anyways, this has been Ugh, This Again. I hope you enjoyed and learned a bit more than you did before. Catch you next time where we'll be talking about the mystery of Roanoke. But until then, see ya.